Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash Patchwork Heart Ministry today. The St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, in partnership with Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network, presents a podcast for families in crisis. Hello, welcome to a podcast from the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. My name is Ann DeSantis, and I'm the director. You can learn more about us at our website at nonatis.org. Our phone number is 215-870-9913. It's so great to be here on this evening with you, as this podcast is for families in crisis. And that is what we do. We make outreach to families who are really going through difficult times. And we're in one of those right now with this pandemic. And tonight's topic is an interview with a friend of the foundation. Her name is Kendra Von Esch, and you can learn more about her at her website at kendravonesch.com. She's also on all the social media platforms and on YouTube, and I highly recommend that you would connect with her on her YouTube channel for some wonderful Catholic inspirational videos for your uh, increasing in your faith life and loving God more each day. So Kendra, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. What a beautiful introduction. That was great. Thanks, Anne. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's amazing to be here with you because we do have so much to talk about. And on the topic of families in crisis, I know that you're no stranger to that. Uh, you had a major conversion to your faith uh, in, in recent years. And I know that now God and your Catholic faith is a part of your daily life. And you're evangelizing too, and you're doing such a great job of spreading the love, spreading the joy of the sacramental life. So uh, may, I thought maybe we could start out with your own faith journey. I know some of our listeners on this podcast already know who you are just from social media and YouTube and just you know within the Catholic world and the wonderful conferences that you've done. So please take us on that journey. Sure, I'll try not to be too repetitive, but um, I uh, grew up believing every lie that this world told me would make me happy. I was trying to climb the corporate ladder. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I bought into the advertising, the commercials, the magazines and movies and TV shows, everything that showed thin, um, attractive, sexy types of girls and women. Um, I was not that. <laughs> I was not that at 10 years old, which is when my first uh, diet started. I remember seeing this commercial, Anjali, which is a perfume commercial. And I know there are plenty of people out there who have no idea what I'm talking about. But the good thing is with that internet thing, you can search for Anjali, E-N-J-O-L-I, 1980s commercial. And it's this woman who says, I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan and never, never, never let you forget your own man. You know that one, right? Anne? I do. I do. <laughs> I forgot how it went, but you brought it all back. Yeah. And I'm watching this blonde woman in a beautiful business suit, um, making money and being sexy for her man and doing it all. She's, she's superwoman. And it hit me at 10 years old that I need to be like that woman on that Anjali commercial. And I am a 10-year-old, squatty, chubby, mousy, brown-haired tomboy at this time in my life. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've got a lot of work to do. So there was where my insecurities started just 
piling on. I went on my first diet. I bought my first workout um, DVD. It wasn't a DVD. It was a VHS um, tape, Jane Fonda's workout. I'm sure you know that one. I do. And I, you know, started working out and dieting and drinking tab diet soda, which was horrible. I don't recommend that to anyone. I don't even know if they still sell that stuff. But that was the beginning of my life as an insecure um, person that just compared myself to everyone. Every other girl was prettier than I was. They were thinner than I was. They had better families than I did. They were smarter than me. They, you know, uh, boys liked them more than I did. So I was in the mode of never good enough. The record was playing in my head over and over and over again, no matter what I tried to do, whether it was sports, school, just being in my family, you know, am I, am I as good as my brothers? So both of my brothers were extremely talented in hockey and I didn't really have that. I mean, I wasn't playing hockey at the time, but I didn't really have that um, excelling component in my life. So I always felt like I was just following my parents who were, you know, participating in my brother's hockey all the time. So I felt kind of like, who am I? What am I? And so I fell into the world of, well, I better be what the world wants me to be. And so I uh, became a cheerleader. I, don't, I, I used to make excuses for myself being on the squad because I was one of the heavier girls. So they must have chose me because I can lift up the lighter girls. This was my constant self deprecating, beating myself up type of life. And then uh, in high school, and um, not in junior high, but in high school, I was introduced to beer. And this was in probably the sophomore, junior year. And I liked the feeling of numbing myself, even though I wasn't consciously aware of what I was doing. And it was okay in my family because my family drank quite a bit. So it wasn't um, taboo. It was something that was accepted. I didn't just crack open a beer with my mom and dad uh, at in sophomore, junior year of high school. But I definitely had a moment of um, clarity that I wasn't going to get necessarily in trouble if I did get caught drinking. And then I got into... Um, Let's see, my senior year of high school, I was introduced to marijuana, and that became another way of being numb and dumb to my own insecurities. And of course, as you drink and you smoke, you do things. Um, I always wanted people to accept me and to love me. And so as I grew up, according to the world, I was just buying into the culture. Whatever the culture told me was okay, it was okay. And this was like casual sex. Sex wasn't a big thing. In my mind, I was thinking, well, I'll just have sex um, because I use that as a way to have people love me. Maybe I need to have sex or do things with people in a sexual way in order to find that boyfriend or have someone love me. So I was so mixed up. And someone might say, okay, so you're this Catholic evangelist speaker chick now. What happened to you? I mean, what was your religious life like? And I will say, I really didn't have one. My mom and dad, thank you, Lord, initiated me into the church. Uh, we did not really practice at all, except for Christmas and Easter. We went to church. We went to Mass. And we didn't talk about Jesus, didn't talk about God, didn't talk about religion. As far as it went with the birds and the bees conversation, I never had any kind of discussion about that. So I was just kind of left out there on my own. Again, it was just this world of insecurity. I didn't know who I was as a child of God. I didn't know that the love that God had for me exactly who I was in my life at that time, at every moment of my life, is overwhelming. So I was searching for that love. I was searching for that happiness. I was searching for that peace. And I thought that life was just supposed to be stressful. 
people and party hard because that's how you relieve the stress and do anything that makes you feel good. That old saying, if it feels good, do it. So my parents initiated me into the church and I was confirmed. And when I say confirmed, I'm using air quotes because I really didn't have a clue a confirmed Catholic really was. I actually didn't know much about the Catholic faith at all. So for example, I didn't even know that Jesus was God. I just thought that wow. Jesus was God. I know, right? I just mm-hmm. thought Jesus was God's son. How, how crazy is that? Here's another one. I didn't know why Jesus died for us, why he was crucified. Isn't that insane? How did I actually become a confirmed Catholic? I clearly had no idea that the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. I didn't know the purpose of Mass. And so I sit here and I think, how did I actually get confirmed? I don't know. But needless to say, everything I learned about the faith was kind of from society that the Catholic Church is nothing but all these rules and, you know, they're boring and mass is boring. I want to sleep in. My Holy Trinity, even at that young age, was me, myself, and I. And yet at the same time, I was a scared person who was just seeking acceptance from everyone, just wanted to be loved and loved and went along to get along. I didn't have any real basis of truth in my life, no idea that God loved me the way that he did, the exception of I did pray. (laughs) And I want to say my (laughs) prayer. My prayer wasn't really praying. It was just asking God for stuff. So he was like this vending machine for me when I, you know, I mean, just like Lord and silly stuff. I mean, and I'm asking to lose weight. I'm asking for a boy like me. I'm asking like for God to help me pass a test. Cause when I got in college, I was just doing nothing but partying, never studying. You know, these, when I got older and I went into the corporate world, it was, Oh Lord, please help me get this job. Please help me keep this job. But nothing really in terms of a personal relationship with the Lord and any kind of um, presence of God in my life. So yeah, it was, it was insane. And I feel for so many people who are out there um, that don't know God and I, he finally found me at 42 years old. So I went a vast majority of my life believing what the culture sold me and it, they were all lies all lies, every single one of them. And I just, I just wish, I know God had a reason. God wanted me to live that life so that I could obviously share it with everyone. But at the time, I mean, looking back, I think about how many years I wasted in fear and anxiety and insecurity and, oh, just, just ridiculous. I just wish I, I could have been pulled out of the pits of hell many, many years ago, but I truly believe God wanted me to climb that corporate ladder and become an executive and, and realize that it's not money. It's not your job. It's not the things that you have. It's not any of the stuff that the world, it's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not a body, you know, well, when I lose weight, I will then be happy. When I do this, then I will be happy. When I get that boat, I'll be happy. When I get that second house, I'll be happy. When I get that bigger job, because it's never enough. Yes. Never absolutely. enough. Yeah. I love to hear your story. I've heard it a few different times. And every time I just love to hear your journey because you had a lot of ups and downs, but it led you straight to God. You know, and you were your mindset wasn't in the right place to begin with, as you said, because you were confirmed, but not really. But God had a different plan because he, he led you to him through ways that you probably never would have imagined, right? Oh, yeah, no <laughs> questions. So it's yeah. funny. I'm still, I'm still um, in this, gosh, I w- almost want to say it was a fog. I, I was thinking and living 
in a fog. I thought I was happy. I knew life was stressful. I knew as I, as I climbed the corporate ladder and started making more money, then I started a whole new world of comparison. And I need to be making more money now. I need to have a better job now. I'm not as smart as that person that I work with. How did I get here? You know, like, <laughs> when are they going to figure out? I don't know what the heck I'm doing in this role. And so it was, it was way worse the more I climbed that corporate ladder. And the more stuff we had didn't fulfill that that God-shaped hole in your heart as we all hear about. Mm -hmm. But I want to tell people that it wasn't like I went searching for God. He came and found me. So my father, I got a call from his girlfriend who said, hey, your dad is having quadruple bypass surgery. And I said, oh my gosh, what in the world is going on there? Because he had no symptoms. There wasn't a uh, an extra pound on him. He's a hockey coach. He's on ho hockey skates, you know, four nights a week and he's 70 years old. So this really rocked my world. And I knew he was going in at 5 a.m. the very next day. So I started praying for the first time. Remember I told you my other prayer, how shallow they were. I started praying for the first time for somebody other than me and with a sincerity in my heart that I believe was just that invitation for God to, I cracked open the door just a teeny weeny bit and he came butting through it. Uh, all I did was ask for my father to come through the surgery and to recover well. And not all I did was ask, but it was answered. God answered my prayers. He, he oh, healed praise in, God. in like record. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you, Lord. And oh, by the way, I was one of the nine lepers that did not go back and thank Jesus. I just mm -hmm. went on with my life. Actually, I made it all about me. After that was done, I said, okay, wait a minute. I am sitting here with a couple extra pounds on me. My husband and I probably had an extra 15, 20 pounds packing on our bodies. So I decided we would go through a cleanse diet that I found that, you know, I, I ordered the book and he, I don't know how I got him to agree with me, but he, he did. He's like, all right, let's do it. So I'm, I'm in the book and I'm, you know, reading along all these supplements you're supposed to take and stuff. And I come across a pie chart and there's different pie pieces in this chart. And one of them says spirituality. And isn't it amazing how God can speak to you in so many different ways. And in this case, it was through a cleanse book. So unbelievable. I know, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I stopped on that piece of the pie and I'm like, oh boy, like I've got nothing going on in this piece of the pie. So at that moment, I decided, well, I'm cleansing my body. Maybe I should cleanse my soul. And I decided I was going to go back to church. But initially, and this you can find out more if you want to know about my my road um, and my journey. It gets into much more detail. Um, I didn't in my book, Am I Catholic? You can find it on the website. It's also in audible format. So if you're not much of a reader and you want to hear me tell my story, I narrate it. So it's, it's only like three hours and 40 minutes. It's really short. Okay. So here I am. I'm like, okay, I'll go back to church, but I'm not going to go to that Catholic church because there is nothing more boring than mass. And I don't believe in all those teachings. What about those priests and the scandals? I believed everything that the world said Catholicism was. So the night before I'm going to go to church, which is Easter Sunday, 2013, my family is over for a, an Easter party at my house on Saturday. And it's about 1130. By the way, my husband and I are going to start our cleanse the next on Easter. I don't, mm -hmm. of course, we don't know that it's a feast day. It's one of the biggest feast days right, in the church. Exactly. And, and we're not going to eat anything. So, you know, um, but the night before I'm eating everything in the house, I'm eating like a cake and like cookies and every, everything that I could possibly get in my mouth because I know we're going on the cleanse the next day. And so I'm all full and I decide, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to sleep. It's about 1130 at night. And I make a comment to my whole family who's still over. I say, I got to get to bed. I'm going to go to church tomorrow. 
and you should have seen him. Like half of them looked at me and they said, what? And the other half looked at me and they said, why? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know, right? I've got a house full. Every single mm. person that's in the house is practically a fallen away Catholic. Two of them are um, are Buddhists. And I'm like, I, I was reading this diet book. and my, This is the first time my husband's hearing about it, who, by the way, is a fallen away Catholic like I am. He didn't understand the Catholic Church and the teachings either. And he was an altar boy and even went to Catholic school for a couple of years. So he was looking at me and he's like, you don't expect me to go with you, do you? (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go by myself. And so guess what? They're all asking me like, where are you going? What church is it? And I mentioned this non-Catholic church and my mom's boyfriend looked at me and he's like, well, why aren't you going to a Catholic church? And I said, really? Like you guys are going to grill me? You guys haven't been to church in years either? I mean, now when I say years, for 20 years, I wasn't even going to any Christmas or any Easter service, whether it be Catholic or not. And neither was the rest of my family. So they're grilling me about going to the Catholic church. And I finally gave in. And that was the story at about midnight Mm. before Easter, God put it in my heart to go to the Catholic church. And that was where things um, really started to change because I felt lighter. And I heard about confession on um, Divine Mercy Sunday, which was the following Sunday after Easter. And I had no idea what Divine Mercy Sunday was or what confession was. So needless to say, um, long story short, because I I know we only have an hour and I could talk about this (laughs) forever. but. we ended up, uh, I ended up deciding, and again, you can find more out in the book and I'm not trying to push the book, but it's an actually pretty funny and very emotional, uh, confession story. Anyway, I did decide to go spoiler alert for those who (laughs) haven't read the book or know the story. And it was game changing. Anne. I mean, Mm. I went in there after 26 years and I, poured out my heart. I was crying like a baby and I expected to get a reprimand from the priest. I truly expected to be yelled at and called like this a sinner and a heathen. And the minute I walked in there, he said with the most beautiful voice, "Welcome home." Mm. You'll and never forget. That was when my tears. Mm. Oh, I will never forget that. And not only that, but after I blubbered my way through, you know, I don't know how long I was in there. It could have been close to a half an hour. Um, after I finally got my way through it, when he was absolving me of my sins, I could feel this beautiful love, this warm waterfall of peace that I have never, I've been searching for my life to find peace and joy and love that's unconditional. And I felt that coming through the priest. And that is why I, I, I got to my car and I said, oh my gosh, what was that? I mean, I've been seeking that peace and that kind of numbness, I guess. Like, I don't want the anxiety and the worry and the fear to be running around in my body. And through God's grace and his mercy and that wiping of my soul clean of all of those horrific mortal sins, many, many, many people, I had many. The only thing I didn't do was kill somebody. So I was confessing everything I possibly could. And when I sat in my car and I looked back at that church, I knew that that was the sacrament of reconciliation. That was, that was God. That was the Catholic church in action, right? And I didn't want it to be the case. I, as a matter of fact, was so excited, so elated, so filled with joy. I ended up coming back. I never missed another Sunday of church. And the Holy Spirit put in my soul the fire, this unquenchable fire to figure out more about this Catholic faith. because. On one hand, I didn't want it to be true because I don't want to change my life. I knew exactly how I was living. 
I knew exactly what I believed, and I knew that those were contrary to what the church taught. And even more so, I learned much more about the, the church's teachings that I had, to, you know, that Jesus led me to the truth and then gave me these beautiful graces to transform so many parts of my life. So bottom line, if there's anyone out there that is feeling lost, feeling like I am tired of drinking myself into oblivion, smoking myself into oblivion, and I'm... God's finally given me the grace to detach from the world. I only live for an audience of one. My ministry is based on God putting in my life and putting in my heart what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do. And I have detached from the world. So it's not easy to get on, you know, radio shows and TV and share the fact that I was an addict. I was a drug addict. I was addicted to marijuana for 20 plus years as an executive in corporate America. I remember telling my husband, honey, I've got to go share this with the world. And he said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go do that? I said, how can I not? God saved me, healed me. There's, it's a miraculous story of how Mary led me to her son and Jesus healed me when I was going through a Marian consecration. And we can talk about that too. But, and so he said, you know what, you're right. It's not about me anymore. It's about me sharing all of the graces that he's put into my life with others so that they know the true peace and the love and the acceptance and the joy that you're seeking is not in money, in things in fame, in somebody else on this planet, nobody can love you like God. And if you're lonely and you feel like you've been abandoned or you're hurt and betrayed in your family, um, I was a a child of divorce as well. Uh, I mean, you kind of feel like, what is going on? You don't feel this sense of security. I can tell you, if you reach out to God, All you have to do is ask. Like I said, remember, I just did that little prayer to God about my dad. Although I shouldn't say it was little. I did pray quite a bit in those hours before he went into surgery the next day. But that was me asking the Lord into my life. Although he wasn't there to help me, I was asking him into my life anyway to help my father. And that's all people need to do is reach out because God is a gentleman. He's not going to bust into your life. You're going to have to ask him in. But when you do, open your heart and know, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do with me and through me and in me because he's going to heal so much damage and you're going to come out on the other end like, oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to be like. It's beautiful. Praise God. I mean, I know this is just a small part of your story. So again, I just invite people to go to your website and YouTube channel and get the book, right? Am I Catholic on Kindle and also on uh, Amazon and you said also on Audible too, right? It's on Audible. Yep. Am I yep. Catholic? You, you have got to get it. that book. <laughs> yes. So here- it's, uh, a, it's a quick one. I invite everyone to do that because Kendra really is an incredible person. Um, in the fact that God led her on this journey toward him and away from sin in such a remarkable and beautiful way. Honestly, it's just a beautiful story because you were so far away from him, but he did all kinds of things to try to uh, open up your heart through the Holy Spirit and especially through that cleanse that you did, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. The spirituality piece. So if, if people who are listening to this podcast, um, and our friends here are uh, those who are affected by divorce and separation. We have one podcast that deals specifically uh, with that area. And I know, I know we have some people that are with us on this evening listening who are affected by divorce, but also families in crisis. And um, one of the areas that we wanted to discuss, um, it really affects many families, especially those with young people, uh, um, you know, young, uh, young adults, teenagers, and, you know, even people your, 
your age and my age, right? I mean, it affects a lot of people is the, the drug culture and, and you were addicted to marijuana. I know that we have some people listening who are here for that reason because they saw it on the social media post that we were going to discuss that. I wondered if you had any words to those people who might be partaking in that right now, or they have a son or a daughter, how can they pray for them to come back to the church or heck, maybe they haven't even been to church in a while like, like you were, you know, you were so far away. Um, I wondered if you had any advice there. So I'll take it in, a, in two ways. First, let me talk to those who are smoking. I don't care what age you are. I started when I was in high school and I found that I couldn't be any less motivated. It was a, a way to waste time. If I could have all of those hours back that I just sat in front of the TV and watched stupid, stupid shows and things that were just pointless, had, you know, they were just pop culture shows. And all of the time that I could take back drinking and getting drunk and getting high and getting drunk and getting high, I realized what I now, looking back, I realized how much I lied to myself, how much I told myself that I enjoyed smoking pot and that I enjoyed drinking a lot. And what it was, was a numbing. I wanted to numb my insecurities. And of course, when you're drinking and you're smoking, your reasoning skills go to the wayside. You are basically taking your hand and shoving God down so far away from you because you are now in this world of, oh, it's me. Let's go party more. And you think that this is what's fun, but one thing leads to another. So when you're drunk and when you're high, you are not making the best decisions in your life. You might be promiscuous, which is what I was. I had a, 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 a distorted view all the way back to that Anjali commercial that I need to be sexy and I need to be powerful as a woman and successful in business in order to be loved. I needed to be desired in order to be loved. So everything was around what I did for a living, how much money I made, and what I looked like. And so that caused me to get into um, eating disorders. So hello, you've heard that marijuana gives you the munchies. Well, I was smoking marijuana all day long. And so I was eating all the time. And in some cases, I was um, binge eating. I wasn't even I would just go and go and go. And all of a sudden I was so full that I started making myself get sick and then I would maybe do it again. And then I would make myself get sick. So I went through these cycles of bulimia throughout my probably like thirties from my high school years to my thirties. I wasn't a consistent bulimic and I would go maybe months or a year without it, but then I would fall back into that cycle. I, and I chalk it up to my body needing some sort of an endorphin high. So eat a box of cereal. That's going to give you a sugar high for sure. Okay. And then, you know, and then you're so sick and disgusting. You're over, you're way over the top with your sugar. I don't know what I did to my, to my body doing this and then purging, binging, purging, binging, purging. And at the same time, I'm still smoking and I'm still going out and I'm drinking a lot. and. I, it just, it's this one thing leads to another. So then all of a sudden I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. I am not treating this body like the gift and the, the child of God that it truly is. I am not, I'm just giving it away. I'm giving it away and I'm letting it be abused and I'm abusing other people. Mm -hmm. And you know, that you know you have that moment of shame and regret the day, even in the act. I remember I would be in an intimate act with someone and all I could think about was how fat I felt or what were they thinking of, you know, about my body. So I, I mean, it was all about 
just constant insecurity, constant, you're not good enough. No one's going to love you. And then I would not want to think those feelings. And then I would regret what I did. And then I couldn't wait to get high again to numb those feelings. And so some people maybe in this COVID world that we're in today are lonely or they're, they don't have a spouse or they're, they're looking for that love. And I'm going to tell you that the love is just waiting there for you in God. Mm, thank you that for saying that. It may not come. Yeah. I mean, it. so in the, in the beginning, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to have a, a deep relationship with God. I didn't know the God's, what God's presence felt like. And don't think that just went to confession that I immediately changed my life. That wasn't the case. I kept falling, but I kept going back to confession and I kept going to mass and receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. Now I'm a daily mass goer. I go to confession every week Mm. and God has changed so many things in my life that I never thought could possibly be changed, nor could my life be any fun without them. I mean, so for me, it was like, well, geez, what do I do if I don't get high? (laughs) You know, how am I going to kind of entertain myself? And what do I do if I don't drink, you know, go out to the bars every single night and party until two, three, four o'clock in the morning? What am I going to do if I'm not swearing like, you know, a potty mouth and being raunchy and telling horrible jokes? And what am I going to do if, 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 and boy, just one by one, God worked with me and gave me these beautiful blessings and these graces where they slowly but surely went away, but it was filled with this, this love and this peace and this joy that I can't explain. And now I'm free. I don't ever have to have that shame or that regret Mm, or, you know, I, I don't need to seek for the love of anybody other than God. Like, I just want to love you, God. I don't want to disappoint you, God. And now I don't have to feel guilt or shame because you've healed me from these sinful ways. And we're only talking seven years here. So he's done a ton of work in my life. And the miracle of the marijuana is a true miracle. And my husband will attest to this day that there was no way that that was anything other than God solving that problem and taking that addiction away from me on the feast day of our lady of guadalupe december 12th and i i will never i will never be able to thank god but that was a moment that was a miraculous moment and my husband was there to witness which is wonderful because he's still he's on a spiritual journey but he's not back to the church um although i do believe that one day he will want to join me on a Sunday and go and, and bring our, our sacramental marriage to another level with God. So I keep praying for that. And so to your second question, what if you have people in your family that are diving into drugs and and they're saying, well, it's legal, it's legal here in Illinois. That's where I live. And I know that the stuff that they have today is is way more potent than the stuff that I grew up with. And even when I was, you know, smoking just plain old weed, right? They didn't have these gummies and all these other way, these pens that you can smoke at these vape pen things and all of these different liquids and these, other, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can smoke it now today, um, which is pure THC and it's a lot more, more potent. So I know that when I was smoking, my parents were saying, boy, the pot that they have out now is way worse than the pot that they had <laughs> back when I was a kid. So you're talking two generations here and it's, and it's some, it's some serious stuff. And I want to say that when it, you know, truly does impact your reason from a God perspective, it's a mortal sin. God Thanks for bringing that up. In the Bible. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. It is. If you get drunk drunkard is in the Bible a few times. And anything that, that, you know, puts in your mind, your reasoning is, is fuzzy. And you wouldn't do those things normally if you were sober. 
that's where the line is drawn. And so I know that there are a lot of people that don't believe that marijuana can be addicting or they think that their child is just smoking it on occasion, like they would have a, a glass of wine at night to quote unquote, take the edge off. I would just be very aware that marijuana impacts the brain. There are studies out there. You're going to find a lot of studies. Thank that you, are trying Kendra. To that. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I, my memory and I was smoking all day, every day. I, my memory is shot. If I don't write something down, it's not happening. <laughs> or if it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. And it's something that I, that I struggle with. And I know it's because I smoked so early as my brain was developing. And I, you know, that there's, there's reasons, there's jokes about that where people are high and they're like, what? They don't remember what they said two seconds ago. And I, I, I know I did major damage to myself. So for parents, I would just sit down and don't avoid the conversation. Um, maybe you can play this podcast. Maybe you can show some of my videos. I mean, I'm out there just to say, look, this can take you into the reason they say it's a gateway drug is it could easily take you into other drugs. And I want to thank God for not having that happen to me because I, with my obsession about being thinner, I am more than amazed that I did not get into cocaine. And I know darn well, if I did, I would have snorted my entire life away. I know it. I know it. Thank and God I that you that didn't. And God thank gave, God. Oh, tell me about it. Right. Thank yeah. God. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, cause I am one that doesn't have much of a, you know, a, a self-control button. And that's what I'm working on right now is bodily mortification to ensure that I work out and that I, I do restrain and show self-control to make this body the best it possibly could be. So working it out, eating right, um, you know, obviously prayer is a part of my, my life, but saints, we're all called to be, and we should be striving toward some mastering of our body, mastering it instead of it mastering us. It could be you're looking at someone lustfully. Maybe you're watching pornography. I fell into that myself. Um, that was just another thing to pass the time. I saw my first pornography at 11 years old in a movie, not just in a magazine. And so for me, there you go, another warped sense of love. And I got to look like those people like here I am, they don't even have like, they're perfect. I mean, how do you get a skin? How do you get skin like that? Do you not grow hair? I mean, not to get graphic, but in my mind, I was thinking those women are perfect. And that's now what I have to look like. Now I don't just have to look like the Anjali woman. I have to look like these people and do those things. So again, the culture, I want to say the culture, let me change it to the world. The world is going to tell you that it's yes. okay because it's legal. You're doing it in your own privacy of your own house. No one has to know. Um, if, if you don't get caught, it's okay. So you could be out cheating on your spouse. You could be having sex before marriage. So the, the world who is dominated and ruled by Satan people, this is the spiritual war that we are in, wants to destroy your soul, wants to take you as far away from God as he possibly can by destroying you through sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Anything to take you away from silence, solitude, prayer, church, your peace, your happiness. He's lying to you and wants to enslave you in that sin. When on the other side, with God's love and transformation, you are free from all of it. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Jesus is a person, and the truth is a person. And the truth, by the way, will set you free. And you can just take these shackles off and get on with life that is filled with joy and love and time and Girl, I 
used to hate silence. Like I said, I would turn on the radio, I would turn on the TV, I would sit there and watch hours and hours and hours of stuff to entertain me. And now I crave silence. I crave time with God. I crave that consolation and that love that is beyond anything on this earth. And I wish I could give it to someone in a pill and make it simple. <laughs> Just be like, here, take this, take this, you know, but that's yeah. the world. That's the world's way. The world says it's a quick and easy thing. Just do it. Life is short, party hard. If it feels good, it's okay. Nobody needs to know if you don't get caught. Good. But with God, it's, it could be slow. You might have an, an amazing experience by, by your walk. I mean, we're all so different. Mine was slow, but yet it was fast. I look at what he's done in my life for seven years. I don't swear. I don't smoke pot anymore. I don't watch pornography. I don't self-gratify. I don't have bulimia. I don't have this hatred and this anger and this resentment toward the world or toward people. I love the body that I'm in. I respect my body. I have, you know, I'm still trying to do the best to make it the, the best temple for the Holy Spirit to live in. I don't compare myself with others anymore. I just want to be a better person so that I can love others and be a, a witness of God so I can show God's love coming through me so that they can say, I want that. I don't mm. want to worry about the world anymore. I don't want the judgment. I don't want the resentment. I don't want the shame. I don't want the fear, the anxiety. And there's nothing cooler than living moment by moment with God and trusting and knowing full, full well that he's got this. Ugh, everybody oh. needs to try it. Thank you so keep, much for sharing. No, I was just going to say, keep keep praying for your kids, keep mm. praying for those who are involved in drugs, but you can do two more things. You can start fasting and you can start doing corporal works of mercy, mm. helping advice. others. Two, two more things that can help with the, just the prayers for, for others is doing some actual stuff, fasting and acts of mercy. That, that isn't my wisdom. That's uh, St. Faustina's wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sacrifice is so important and the prayer. And for those who are listening, you've heard of the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. That's a great prayer. And if you don't know it, find out about it. I mean, I think, um, I think even on our website at nonatis.org, we may have something there. But of course, if you just Google it, you can learn about the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And, and I know that you're friends even with uh, Father Donald Calloway, I believe. You've done a video with him before. And he's mm -hmm. one, of, one of their, uh, you know, a very well-known priest from that order. What was that experience like? Because I know, wasn't it that you interviewed, he, you, you, you were on an interview with him, I think, recently? Yeah, he um, had his uh, consecration to St. Joseph. That's right. That's was, right. Thank you. That, yeah, that was fantastic. And he's from the... Um, um, immaculate uh, MIC, I think that is, is what he's part of. Um, but I know that Chris Alar, it's divine mercy, but in the end, in the end, you're so right. God, whether it's praying the divine mercy chaplet or just going to God for his love, do not be afraid. If you are a fallen away Catholic or you haven't been to confession for a long time, just go. Don't even mm, think about amen. it. You can, you can write what you want to on a piece of paper. Even if you don't know what you're doing, just walk in there and say, Father, to the priest who's in persona Christi, priest is Jesus on the other side. And just say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing, but I want God's love. Because it's not about rules and punishment. He just wants your heart back. He's been dying for you there every moment saying, please ask me in, please ask me in. And then watch how amazing it is. Like I said, seven years may seem like a lot to people, but it's really not when I look back and I think how much he's done in my life and transformed it. And my husband would say the same thing. I mean, 
man, I used to have no patience. I used to fly off the handle with anyone who I, it had to be done my way, my time, chop, chop, let's go, you know, get out of my way on the highway, get out of my way in the grocery store, honey, you're not doing that right. Let me just do it. That type of stuff was like all over my life. My husband called me back seat everything. <laughs> oh boy. So I was a back I wasn't just a backseat driver. I was like, yeah, you, you need to do it this way. Just total control freak. And he looks at me and he's like, wow, God really is God. Mm. I have I mean, to there's mention no way that I would have been able to do this on my own. I remember you saying that before. Yeah. And I do have to mention our friends with Patchwork Heart and also Fiat Ministry Network say hello to Bill Snyder who's also on the board of this foundation, the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, and Ken Kolhoski is the producer at Fiat Ministry Network, because Kendra did a beautiful series for them. And Kendra, maybe you can tell them about it. It's at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry if you want to check it out. And it is a subscription, but Kendra did a beautiful three-part series. It is my road to Mary, but I left the word rough out, my road to Mary, because it really was very difficult for me to understand Mary's role in the church. And even though in my first year, so I went to church on Easter 2013, went to mass, went to confession the following Divine Mercy Sunday, and right there to your point, Divine Mercy Sunday and the Divine Mercy Chaplet, beautiful prayer. And there's promises um, that you can just search on the internet to see what is just waiting for you if you just start praying that prayer for yourself and for others. But you fast forward to November 9th, which is my birthday, and that was when I started my very first Marian consecration. So it's consecrating yourself to the heart of Jesus through Mary. Mary's main role is to take you to her son. That's it. And um, she does it in so many miracle, miraculous ways. And that happened with me. So here I am praying this 33 days of morning glory. Father Michael Gately, who is also a part of the, yes. um, the uh, order with Father Don Calloway. And on my last day, it was our feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I didn't even know what feast days were. I didn't know what Marian apparitions were. I didn't know the story of Juan Diego and um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. But that was the day that I was healed from my addiction. Wow. And that was a moment of woe. And even then, even though Mary, <laughs> Mary <laughs> healed me, taking me to her son, I still didn't get her. You would have thought I would have been praying to her all the time. And I've, I started praying the rosary and then it was just like checking it off the box. And I didn't feel this love. I used to look at people and say, man, you love our lady so much. How come I don't have that going on in me? So it was a, it was a rough road to her, but after consecrating myself to her, what is it? Seven, maybe eight times. I have to go back and count in the seven years. She's still my mom. And if there's anyone out there who had a great mom or a horrible mom or God forbid, didn't know a mom or didn't have a mom in their life, that is where Mary comes into play. And so does St. Joseph, speaking of Father Don Calloway. If you consecrate yourself to St. Joseph, if you've had an absent father or someone who wasn't really spiritual in your life or wasn't kind and pure and protected you, and the terror of demons, St. Joseph is, I learned so much, and I consecrated myself to Jesus through St. Joseph, and it, I learned so much. That's a fabulous book. And it's really all about the family. Whether you're together, divorced or separated, it's still mom and dad and children if you're in a, in a family, and it's what the devil is trying to tear apart let's pray for families and for mm -hmm. family unity, regardless of what's going on in, in your lives. You're all now, I had a rough little divorce, but mom and my dad and me and my brothers were all back in, they're not married again, but there's respect and love and 
we've all forgiven. Everybody is forgiven. We're all not perfect. Yes, I know that. Thank you for bringing that up because part of the mission of this foundation, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, is to make that outreach to those who are affected by divorce. And you were saying your parents were divorced. And I believe that your husband was divorced and you have two stepsons. Um, we're going to have to have you I on another divorced. show and you were divorced yeah. too. So <laughs> right. We're going to have to have you back to talk about that whole other aspect of um, your life because you can make outreach through us if you would to those people who are who have gone through divorce. And I know you understand that too, as a person of faith and God has brought you on this beautiful journey. I just love to hear. I could listen to you almost all day, I think, because you have <laughs> so much to share about uh, your beautiful faith. Um, and I you know what? It's so funny. Yeah. I, I always sit here and I think, oh, I've, but wait, there's more. And I was yeah. just like, you got another hour, you got another couple hours. And I, so I'm working on my second book. Just pray for me because that's going to be sort of the tell all, but that's going to get into deliverance and, you know, resting in the spirit, but the, the Holy Spirit outpouring in my life and so many other things that I haven't even scratched the surface. So I'm just so grateful that I have so many things to share and I owe it all to God. I really can't take any credit other than being docile, being humble and accepting every blessing and every gift he has to offer with gratitude. Thank you so much. I would like to invite everybody again. This is uh, Kendra Von Esch that I am interviewing. She has a website at KendraVonEsch.com. She's all over social media. I think you have your own page, right? Your personal profile. And then now you also have a page too, I think. Your community page. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got two actually. So one is a, um, a Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash find something more. And then my actual private community is find something more community. So all you have to do is just ask to join. And it's a place where people can pray for each other and share resources and feel like I'm going to be loved no matter what here. Nobody's going to argue with me or fight with me or get into political debates and conversations. It's really all about God and praying for each other and supporting each other. So it's a place for, for love and vulnerability. Amen. That's perfect. And then your YouTube channel, please subscribe to Kendra Von Esch on YouTube. Now I have to make a little plug also for our foundation and ask people to please to visit our website at nonatis.org. Uh, our spiritual moderator is also on this premiere on YouTube. His name is Father Kenneth Breen. He's located in Western New York. And both Father and I are available for spiritual consultation appointments. They are free. And you can reach out to me on email to make an appointment at director.srnf, as in Frank, at gmail.com. And also on our contact page right on the website. So please do. Uh, our Facebook name is Philly Nonatis. That's also the name of our YouTube channel. I'd ask if you if everyone would subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get notifications. This podcast is the last Thursday of every month at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's for families in crisis. And we also have one the first Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. for those affected by divorce. So let your friends know and your family members know about what we're doing because our tagline is spiritual accompaniment for those in crisis, families in crisis. So that's what we're all about. We are founded by a religious order called the Mercedarians. And please visit their website too at orderofmercy.org and learn about their vocations and all that they are doing. They're headquartered in Philadelphia. So I want to make a shout out to the Mercedarians and thank them for their input with this foundation and all that they've done as well. So Kendra, again, I thank you so much for being a guest. Would you come back again? Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you, sweetie. Oh, God bless you too. So everyone, we will see you on our next podcast, the first Tuesday at 8 p.m. And this podcast will be on the last Thursday. We'll see you next time. We'll be praying for all of you. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information about the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, visit nonatus.org or email director.srnf at gmail.com. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.